Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Matthew chapter 14 is where we're going to read from in just a moment. But just let me set the scene for you because Matthew 14 is perhaps most famous because the disciples have just witnessed the most amazing miracle that they have ever seen. They've left everything to follow Christ. And uh, then he's been teaching all day and people are tired and hungry. There's about 5,000 men. We don't know how big the crowd was in total. Only that we're told there were 5,000 men there. It was their custom in that day for men and women to be separate in a, in a place of worship. So maybe that's why it was like that. I don't know. And then Jesus turns to the disciples when they say, send the people away to buy food. He says, no, you give them something to eat. It's marvellous to me how oftentimes when I come to God and I say, God, here's the problem. I want you to fix it. He turns to me and says, I want you to do something. I'm amazed at how many times when I want God to do all of the work and all of the heavy lifting. I want God to do the miracle. And He turns to me like the man who was born blind and he spat in the clay and put it in his eyes. And then he says to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Why would you tell a blind person to go on a, at least a one and a half kilometre journey? Because that's how far it was. Why would you tell that person to do it? I believe it's because God always wants us to be a part of the miracles that He does. And so when He says to the disciples, you give them something to eat, He wasn't trying to be silly with them. He wasn't trying to provoke them. The Bible says He Himself knew what He was going to do. But He said that to them and they look around at the size of their resources, which most of us do. We look at our capacity. We look at our ability. We perhaps look at our faith and, or our experience of the past and we throw our hands up like they did and say, well, that's ridiculous. How could we ever do that? But a boy has told one of the disciples, I've got five loaves and two fish. And if they are of any help, you can have those. And the disciple dismisses him going, well, that really is, is irrelevant. But then when Jesus says, what do you have? This disciple speaks up and says, hey, there's a boy here with five loaves, two fish. And Jesus said, give it to me. And when he gives it to Jesus, Jesus lifts it up before heaven and blesses it and then says to the disciples, now if it had been me, I would have first of all given it to Thomas, the one who doubted the most. But I don't know whether that occurred. I just know Jesus gave it to the disciples and said to them in front of a crowd of 5,000 plus, He said, you give them to eat. And these disciples go and begin to feed out uh, bread and fish to this massive crowd of people. That would have taken hours for 12 people to serve 5,000 plus. So we are not talking about some, you know, uh, delivered by drone thing here. We're talking about uh, an extended period of time. And so they are in a miracle that lasts for a, con a concerted amount of time. Listen to me. Not every miracle will happen instantly. Some miracles you are in a season of it. 
You are in a time of it. It'll take longer. Maybe you're believing God for healing in your body. And maybe you just say, God, why don't you give me an instant miracle? Well, sometimes He does. I've seen many of them. But then other times you'll say, why don't you journey with me? It's still miraculous because God is still the answer and He's bringing that into our life. And so these guys get all of this and then we're going to pick it up in verse 22. It says, Immediately Jesus made His disciples get into the boat and go before Him to the other side while He sent the multitudes away. Remember this, they are on a mission from God. Jesus commanded them to go. They aren't going because they are trying to get away from people or because they're tired of it. They're going because Jesus said, I want you to go to the other side. And when He sent the multitudes away, He went up in the mountain by Himself to pray. Now, when evening came, He was alone there. I wonder about, don't you wonder about the Bible? I wonder, why didn't He take the disciples up there to pray? Why did He go on His own? I think one of the reasons maybe, and I can't prove this, but maybe it's because you just didn't want to be surrounded by emotion and excitement because faith and emotion aren't always the same. Faith and excitement don't always go together. I know what it's like to have a sense from God in my heart that God is going to move and do something. And yet in my mind, I'm, I'm going, are you kidding? Is this how it's going to work? This doesn't look likely. Maybe that's why he went up by himself. He wanted to separate himself from the views of man and what people thought could happen. But anyway, he goes up by himself to there. And when evening came, he's alone there, verse 24. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves because the wind was contrary. Remembering that most of the disciples, the biggest subset, are fishermen. So when they are in a sea tossed by the waves, I have been at the Sea of Galilee. I've heard the stories. I looked at it. It wasn't even that big. And I remember thinking to myself, how could this verse have occurred until I Googled it? And they said that occasionally storms can arise on that fairly small space that is so dangerous that boats are upturned. And it's a long way to swim, that's for sure. I wouldn't want to try it. So here they are, tossed by the waves. The wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, that's not immediately. They're in this storm for a while. Listen to me. I'm going to make a whole lot of comments here today, things that maybe you want to take away and think about. Because sometimes when the need happens, Jesus is not there at the start. Sometimes I'm in it and it's now the fourth watch of the night. But Jesus always comes. Listen to me. Jesus always comes. He may be looking late to you, but He's always going to come. It may look like it's too far gone. It may look like you are kidding. Where are you, Jesus? Why aren't you here? Well, how do we get in this spot? But I'm telling you, Jesus will always come because in the fourth watch of the night, the darkest time, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw Him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. In other words, they didn't recognise. Oh, there's so much to unpack in this great story. Because sometimes when we're in the midst of trouble, we don't see Jesus. We don't uh, recognise that He's there in us, even though He came for our purpose. He came there to be with us. And so fear, listen to me, fear will always cloud your vision of Jesus. 
Fear will always prevent you seeing God at work. Fear will always stop you. God is there for you, but the fear you have because of what's around about you prevents you seeing Jesus even though He's right in front of you. I believe many times the best thing to do, I've often come to prayer and been in a place of praying and seeking God and I've spent the first 10 or 15 minutes just getting out of my mind, out of my flesh, out of my emotions, out of all that's crowding in on me, out of all the negative voices, out of all the things that I read or hear to get into the place of faith because until I get into faith and while fear is dominating, I don't even see Jesus and His answers. I'm missing Him. All I can feel, listen to me, some of you, that's your story this morning. God is there. Listen to me. I don't know who you are or what your life is about right now, but I'm here to tell you God is there for you. But you may not be seeing Him if you're allowing fear to be the loudest voice in your life. Verse 27, But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, Be of good cheer, it's I, be not afraid. Verse 28, Peter answered Him. Peter answered Him. Peter answers, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. When Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. That's the second time we encounter fear in this story. The first time they don't even recognise Jesus. The second time the miracle that he is experiencing in his life begins to dissipate, begins to leave, starts departing from his life. Why again? Fear is the enemy of the believer. Allowing fear to dominate your life. Are you in a job situation right now that looks precarious? Well, can I say to you, don't allow fear to be the loud voice. When you meet there as a family, one of the reasons my wife and I every day, we've got five grandchildren. Monday's Evie's day, Tuesday's Judah's day, Wednesday's Elroy's day, Thursday is Sloan's day, Friday is Honey's day, and the weekend is for everybody else. And we pray over our grandchildren and over our families. Why? Because we want faith to talk to them. Amen. We want to just, we don't want to just be Christians who go to church and wait to die. We want to be Christians that live lives of faith and step out of the boat, but keep our eyes on Jesus the whole way. Peter gets out of the boat and when he sees the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus was there and he stretches out his hand and caught him and said to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? That sounds like such a put down to the one guy who gets out. But we don't know what he said to the other 11. Maybe when he got in the boat, he said, what about the rest of you? How come there was only one? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. You know that the fishermen in the boat are worried. You know that the excitement of feeding 5,000 and handing out never-ending bread, never-ending fish, you know how quickly that dissipates. Listen to me, living a life of faith can never be lived by a life of emotion. I'm not against emotions. God gave them to us. They're wonderful. But you can't live out of them because they will come and go like the seasons do. Right now, spring is on the way. Birds are singing. Flowers are blooming. 
Snakes are coming out. They're all there. They're all coming around. But I tell you what, there'll come a time when that season will go and it'll be so hot. And those of you who complained about how cold it was are going to be saying, my Lord, how hot is this? And I'm going to be saying, thank God. Amen. Let it be 35. Amen. But you know what? That's what your emotions are like. They come and they go. You can't live a spiritual life with God out of those things there. And Jesus has told them to go. I imagine these guys going, hello, he manufactured bread and fish. He told us to go. We're on a mission from God. How can this happen? How can such a bad thing be happening to me when I'm such a good Christian? Raise your hand if you've ever thought that in your entire life. And the rest of you that didn't raise your hands. Come on now. I think we've all thought it, haven't we? God, you told me to do this. Where's all this? How come? Where's this from? Now, I haven't yet even gotten to point one. And I just looked at the time, so I'm going to speed up. Because I got so excited with that passage of Scripture. I told you none of that was in my notes. So I'm just going to speed up now. But let me preface it by saying this. See, we all think our life is safe. We love certainty. We prize it. We think that's one of the most, all of science is predicated around certainty of physical laws. We think our life is safe until the economy tanks or your industry starts going into hard times, or you ever had this one where you go for a medical test and the doctor doesn't you know, have the secretary ring up and say, it's all good. They say the doctor wants to see you. Yeah. Ever had that one? That's a right there. That's a whole great thing for the heart rate. Right that one there. Or you're a parent of kids and the headmistress or the headmaster says we need to have an appointment. And all of a sudden you're going, you know they're not coming to say what an exemplary child you have and what's the secret of raising such a well-mannered, polite, well-behaved, intelligent child. We all think life is certain, but it's not always like that. Certainty like that comes and goes. The job you loved maybe won't be there forever. Here's some things. Let me get into this quickly. Strangely enough, the safest place that day was not the boat. Think about it a minute. They're in the boat and the wind's contrary, the waves are tossing. You would think the safest place is hanging on. If it breaks up, at least I've got a plank to hold on to. But strangely enough, the safest place that day was where Jesus was out of the boat. The safest place is always where Jesus is. The safest place. If He tells you, that's the safest place every time. Secondly, the safest place is obeying His Word. See, Jesus said to come. Peter never go, wow, wouldn't it be fun? Jesus can walk on water. I think I'll give it a go. He wasn't having a try. He had heard from God. But I know that sometimes, listen to me, sometimes you hear from God and it doesn't mean the wind stops and the waves are calm. Come on, come on. 
Come on, a Christian here, you've been a Christian a while. You need to get a hold of this. Because sometimes other we get out, we say, God, I'm following you. I did what you said. And the wind hasn't stopped and the waves haven't gone calm. And we go, what's with that? Listen, God doesn't display His miracle in the easy places. God displays His miraculous power in the difficult ones. God displays His power when the wind is still howling and the waves are still being tossed. So I can have what He says I can have and I can do what He says I can do. I have learned over the years that my fears are not a predictor of my future and my fears are not a a, a boundary to what I'm able to do. I've learned that if you will trust God, sometimes the best place to be is out of that boat, out of that thing that you call safe, out of that thing where you think, well, at least I'm okay here. Sometimes I think God sends storms so that somebody will get out of the boat. Huh? Come on. Someone's got to get out of the boat. You can't live a Christian life your whole life standing on the seashore watching other people go on the journey. Sometimes the safest place for you is to hear God. Now, I know this is scary. And I know, I remember Yvonne Mulder, who used to run our Ministry of Hope and lead that. What a wonderful woman she was and is. Her and Bob now live in Esperance. And I remember she told me once privately, but then she told it publicly so I can say it. She said this to me. She said, Jeff, when I first came to this church, it was around destiny offering time and you spoke about it and I, Bob and I prayed and I thought God told me a figure that was so scary to me, I cried for weeks. This is her story. Why? Because she said, Bob and I had never in our life ever thought of giving an amount like that. It was so big, it was scary. And that was God challenging her to get out of the boat. She lived her entire life looking at what she could pay off, what she could afford. And now the Lord challenges her. It's scary, I know. And that's one of the things I understand about this season of destiny offering is it is scary for some people because they will pray and then they'll get a figure and they'll start rebuking the devil. Because it's so big. I remember one other member of staff we had who told me that they'd never encountered anything like it. Uh, That's Jeremy and Natalia, and he's told this story. Now they're in Paris serving there. And, uh, but he told the story about how the figure he got was so ludicrous that he went to Natalia hoping she'd say, you're being stupid and stop him. She said, well, if it's God, let's go for it. We didn't want to hear that. He wanted her to say, get back in the boat. But he was out there and God gave him a miracle. The safest place, number three, is his will for your life. Oh, look, I love this. And I think we've lost sight of this somewhat in 2023 in the Christian church. I think we've lost sight a bit of thy will be done, not mine. I think when I was a kid, you'd go to church, they'd say the Lord's Prayer. And the key part of that is thy will be done on earth like it is in heaven. Not my will be done. We've gotten used to living the kind of lives where God serves us, where we ask God and He does it, rather than saying, God, you've got all my life. You can do whatever you want with my life. And my will is, or His will rather, is not what I'd like Him to say. How many people here have ever had the Lord say, go talk to that person? And you go, but I don't want to. (laughs) Come on, I don't like them. 
I don't want to help them. I dislike them because of X, Y, and Z. And, and we say that and God goes, I want you to do that. And you go, I've heard the Lord tell me to bless somebody that I didn't want to see blessed. Now, I know that will shock you because you think that, you know, I just slipped down straight out of heaven into Roy and Ruby Woodward's home and just grew up in a lovely Christian environment and it's all been sweet, sweet and beautiful and never had a challenge. The safest place is God's will for your life. Now, listen, come on, let's get down and real here this morning. The biggest prayer and the best prayer and the starting point prayer for every believer is this. Lord, I surrender to you. I'll give you my life. When I got saved, I was 19. And I'd lived a life where I had tried to do it myself, tried to make all my own way. And I seriously prayed this prayer. I said, Lord Jesus, you will get everything of Jeff Woodward that there is to get. And you know, I can honestly say before God, I haven't always done it right. And I haven't always done it well. I certainly haven't done it perfectly. But that's just been the way I've tried to live. Jesus, I'll give you all of me. And if there comes a choice between my will and yours, Lord, your will wins every single time. The safest place is His will. The will of God often will take us to places we don't want to go. Matthew 4 verse 1, just quickly. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. How does that mesh with your theology? Amen. How does that mesh with your victorious Christian life? Then Jesus was led up, listen, Jesus was led up by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, into the wilderness. Hello, who wants to go there to be tempted by the devil? Why, why, ha, ha. That's why I think about Psalm 23, verse four. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Why are you even there? Ever lived the kind of space where people are saying, I thought you were a Christian. I thought God loved you. I thought God liked you. I thought God would help you. How did you end up here? That leads me on. Because Jesus led by the Spirit, but David's led to a giant. Moses gets led to a flooded river. Joseph gets led to a prison. Philip gets led out into a deserted place. We want the will of God for our lives regardless, listen to me, regardless of where it takes us. Come on. I hope every heart, every person that says I'm a part of Metro Church, I pray that's what you think today. It's the safe place. Number four, the will of God leads us through to better every time. Psalm 23 verse four doesn't stop at verse four. God isn't gonna leave you in a place always of our problem when they come, when Jesus grabs Peter and saves him, and they get into the boat, it says immediately the wind ceased. Here's number five, fifth thing be an active pursuer of the will of God. Don't be one of those Christians who goes, Well, Lord, you know where I am, and you know where I live, and if you want me, you can wake me up. Be an active pursuer. Of the will of God. Verse 28 says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come. Only one person was active. Only one person asked. And only one person walked on water apart from Jesus. Paul says in Philippians, I press forward. The rich young ruler, what must I do? 
Jesus said, give everything you have to the poor. And he went away sorrowful. And the disciples are standing there and they said, Lord, what about us? We've given everything to follow you. And Jesus says this to them in Matthew's gospel. He says, uh, everyone who's left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. Be an active pursuer. Last one here, number six. Don't be afraid to try. You know how you learn to hear the voice of God? By trying. Now, you don't try by going around saying to everyone, yea, thus and verily, forsooth yea even for yea, for I am the prophet, yea. Because if you talk like that here, someone will stop you. But we do want you to try. We want you to go, God, what are you saying to me? I've done some things that I thought were God and they weren't. And I didn't stop leaning in and asking because I got it wrong. My youngest granddaughter this week started walking. Huh? Well, first of all, well, she, she actually went from standing up one day to running the next day. But you know, I didn't say this to mum and dad, but I'm pretty sure there's going to be a few busters, a few croppers. There's going to be a couple of fallovers, a few nosedives, a few face plants, probably along the way. And the worst thing those parents could do would be to say, honey, this is terrible. We must never let this happen again. We're going to carry you. And so when she's 16, there's, there's Candace carrying her to school, saying to the teacher, which is her seat? Putting the seat, I'll be back at the change of the class to pick her up and carry her. How many of you know that would be the worst thing they could do? And God is smarter than any of us. So He understands that sometimes you'll try and sometimes you won't be 100% right every single time. Here's what I think is the best bit of this whole story is verse 31. It says, immediately Jesus stretched out His hand and caught Him. See, even when Peter messed it up, even when Peter stumbled, even when Peter's faith let him down, Jesus said, well, serves you right. Well, you, you'll learn your lesson there. Next time, stay in the boat. He never said that to him. It says immediately stretched out his hand. Think about that a minute. Because he's walking on the water to come to Jesus. In, if this was a movie, this is what you would have seen. You would have seen Jesus go, and immediately be right there. And stretched out his hand and grabbed him before he sank. And he did say to him, why did you doubt? But he never said that to punish him or to, or to make him feel bad. He said it to say, next time, hold on. Next time, believe. Next time, stay strong. Peter was in the safest place. It's the will of God, the word of God, where Jesus is for your life. Amen. Father, help us today. God, for every one of us, Lord, there isn't anybody here that's been on this journey so long, we don't need to learn more about faith. There isn't anybody here, Lord, that's been at this for so long, we've worked it out and we know what we're doing and we've got it all done. Lord, every single one of us is still on the journey of growing with You, still on the journey of You helping us. So Father, I pray for every person here and online and online in the days and weeks to come. God, would You... Give us a heart that wants to pursue your will. Actively, Lord, tell me what to do. Lead me, Lord. Father, we thank you for your help and for your strength. Father, I pray right now for anybody that's listening to this. 
whether they're in front of me or online, Lord, and they go, I, I, I don't know Jesus. I'm not a follower of Jesus yet. Lord, I pray that today they'll say yes to You. Just look this way a minute. If you have never given your life to Christ, if you have never started the journey with Jesus, most of us here, we can remember the moment. I think about that moment a lot. I, I think about all the things that worked together to get me to that spot. The people that I met accidentally. The conversations. I still remember well, a person sparked the journey with me was an old guy's going to heaven now. His name was Harry Flat. And I was going to a church, but I wasn't living for God at all. Matter of fact, I was living pretty much for the other side. And I'll never forget once, one day after church, Harry looked at me, he was a grand old man. And he looked at me in the eye, instead of saying, how you going, how's your week, how's your job? He looked at me and he said, how you going spiritually? You know, he could ask me anything. No, I would have had a quick answer. But when he said to me, how you going spiritually? I was stuck. And I remember standing, I still remember where I was. I remember having to say to Harry, not that good really, Harry. He said, I'll be praying for you. You know, that was a turning point and a starting point. I don't know what yours looks like, but I do know this God will have a starting point for you. But He doesn't want it to stay as just a, a brief moment in your history. He wants to lead you on to the point where you say, Jesus, I'm going to surrender to you. I'm going to follow you. If you want to do that today, listen to me. If you want to do that today, here's what you do. Up here on the screen for you right now is a phone number. If you're in front of me here or you're in Australia, you can simply text YES, Y-E-S, to 488 If you'd like to get our help and our encouragement via email or you're outside of Australia, you go to yes.metrochurch.org.au. Either way, when you do that, the people that will do this are sitting right here. It's not from a machine. There's no algorithm. It's people caring for people. And they will do this for you. They will send you a Bible verse and a prayer. Different every day. You get it for 30 days. It'll help you. Last week, I think it was last Wednesday, 10 p.m. at night, two people 13 seconds apart. The week before, somebody said, I was watching, I think it was my story or grow from February because they stay up there on our YouTube channel. And this guy said, yes, 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 yes. And so people are doing that. I want you to do it this morning. Come on, start the journey with Jesus. If you've never done it, give Him your life. Say yes, 0488-826-392. Yes.metrochurch.org.au. Amen. Amen. Well, what a beautiful day today is. Pray that that message will speak to you. You can get the podcast of it later on in the week as well if you want to hear it again while you're driving along. Of course, hands free. Did I did I dismiss the youth today? I didn't, did I? Sorry about that, Dan. I'm sure you went anyway. There's so much going on, literally. This week. Uh, Pastor Stephen Mohan, who we are partnering with for churches in church planting in India, had met with 50 churches in Hyderabad. And we're not trying to accumulate or gather. We just do relationship really well. And these churches in there, and you know, I'd spoken to him years ago now and said, I want us to start a church planting school in the south of India. 
Well, he met with these guys and that looks like it's about to kick off and get underway. And I want you to understand some of this because as a church, I don't always get to sit down and tell you, here's all the stuff that's happening. Here's all the ways that your life is having an impact in the lives of others. But thank you for it.